presented by the Field of 68, all made possible by our fine sponsor, Bet Rivers, Matthew Cox, running points tonight, Mr. McKeon, Mr. Root joining me per usual. Let's get down to brass tacks. Mr. McKeon, what did you learn last night? There was some controversy, uh, or so I was uh, told via the Twitter sphere airwaves. Tell us about it. Break it down for us. You weren't watching your dookies, Matthew, I suppose. No, I was watching. I just want to hear your take. You're uh, yes. incredibly biased take. I'm, I'm certain of it. Not biased. I'm with Duke on this one. Virginia mm-hmm. Tech, uh, the guy punched Filipowski on a, a celebration for sure, not intentional, but it's a flagrant. doesn't matter if he intended to hit him or not. He hit him in the face. It's a foul. It's a flagrant foul. You have to call it. If you trip a guy accidentally, it's still a foul. Guess what? Still a foul. Having said that, I'm fine with Duke losing. Ha ha. Suck it, Blue Devils. Jim. Yeah, I feel like I'm probably the, the most anti-Duke person of the weave. And no, that that's like not true. No, hilariously not obvious flagrant foul. Like if, if the minimum I'm asking a guy to do is watch out in the air you're punching, I, I think you can avoid hitting a face. I, I think that should be a, you know, a reasonable request. I thought that was a completely obvious flagrant, ridiculous. Uh, speaking of flagrants, Kai, the end of the New Mexico game in overtime, mm-hmm. Udeze gets one because they don't call three different reaches when he's like trying to pivot with the ball. That's compounding a mistake with an even worse mistake. I thought that was really, really bad. But my biggest takeaway, Matt, our Bears are back. Baylor's legit, man. The backcourt looks as deadly as ever. Jalen Bridges is giving him that like kind of corner shooter yes, option. Bridges. And they dominated Kansas on the glass yesterday, like really punked him. I was impressed, Matthew. John, Jonathan Chamochachua was like at least bouncing around. Saw, yep, good vibes. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe he's back soon. I think the Bears are going to be right back up there in that national title picture. Yeah, what's their price for title future? I think now is a great time. Seeing the Chacha stuff pregame, and they think he's going to be back sometime this year. Like that's just a bonus defensive ace um, by low is my take there. I'll just double, yeah, emphasize that they look great. I I love that team. I'm. Cryer fully healthy is a game changer. Like just his shot making ability is absolutely insane. And he's arguably what their third banana, in the backcourt. So yeah, some insane firepower there. Um, to the outline we go. We start in Big Ten country, Mr. McKeon. Illinois, a place you were just at, the uh yes. the other assembly hall will play host to Ohio State. Game open three, been bet up to four. I think it's cheap. I'm looking to back my line I hear. Um really Zeb Key, uh Zeb big question mark tonight for the Buckeyes, of course. I thought he's playing. He came back, right? Likely to play. I thought he was a little dicey. No, is it one hundred percent certain? He's been no, he's been he's playing totally big minutes lately. He's totally okay. back. Okay. No. Yeah, Illinois setback. Illinois off the Indiana loss. That was brutal. Uh, question is, do they fold back into their shell like they did earlier than, in the season, or do they come out firing here? Ohio State, meanwhile, coming off that big Iowa win, broke their five game losing streak. I'm still a big believer in Ohio State. Um, I think they're very good. These are two fairly inexperienced teams with veteran leaders. Do you trust Illinois' quote-unquote leaders? I sure don't. Terrence Shannon, I don't really trust him. I don't think he's a great leader. Brad Underwood's basically said as much. I trust Ohio State's guards more at the end of games. And Zed Key, for me, much better than Danger. Uh, I, I think he can take advantage of him. The question will be, Jim, if Illinois goes Coleman Hawkins at the five, make Key play in space, that could be an advantage for Illinois. But again, though, Hawkins' decision-making have not been impressed by it. So plus three and a half at Butt Rivers. I'm actually leaning Ohio State. Yeah, Matt's right. He did re-injure it at the end of last game. Okay. Uh, that kind of slipped to my mind because he was starting and playing 28. Lock in, fellas. Come on. Do the research. He's important. For diligence. If he's out, ignore the Ohio State 
line. Yeah, if if he's in though, I yeah. I like Ohio State too. I think they're kind of trending up. Kai, we talk about these teams that are super lucky at the end of games. Lucky, lucky. They're 362nd in Ken Palm's luck. They've been playing a lot better than their results indicate. I think getting north of a possession against Illinois is a decent bargain. We already saw Iowa or uh, Penn State go in there and punk Illinois. It's not an unwinnable venue. Michigan State right. was, I think, on their way to at least a coin flip at the end until Malik Hall went out. So it is going to come down to, to to Hall for me, if he, or excuse me, to Key. If he's in there and able to play 20, 25 minutes, I think that's big. If not, I'll probably just sit this one out, Matt, and you can hop on your Illini boys. Yeah, that's that's where I lean. Um, three was better than four, obviously. I, I missed the opening number. Not trying to make a play on the key injury news. I just Ohio State. Um, there's some some talk on Twitter. Their their shot selection it, it looks a little too ISOy at, at times for me. Um, I know Sensible is awesome, but I feel like sometimes that offense gets a little too my turn your turn, and I think the absence of key for that little stretch uh, may have thrown a little wrench in that offense. Just a little concern, and I still love my line. So that's where I lean. That's all I have to say. Uh, staying in Big Ten country, heading out east. Jim, going to you for Rutgers hosting Penn State. The Scarlet Knights coming off a loss to Michigan State uh, on the road last week. I mean, just a pretty clear size edge up front here. I think that's the the obvious chess match in this in this tilt. It's not even just up front. It's like all five positions. I think Rutgers, they, they kind of dwarf everybody, but Penn State's fairly small, spaced, trying to you know move you around and get a bunch of threes up. I think maybe you can beat Rutgers that way. They take away the rim big time, but their three-point attempt rate defensively, 321st in the country. You can go over the top of them. So if Penn State can hit shots, that's uh, that's going to be a route to offense for them, Kai. But it is at the rack. Do we, do, we, uh, do we have concern about a team going on the road to the rack? I actually think Penn State can score here. I, I also think uh, – the rack, they tighten the rims a little bit. You watch the things, anything that hits the rim there and it just vaults like 20 <laughs> feet from the basket. That's not a great for, or not great for a team looking to shoot going in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I lean Penn State where we're looking at it right now in the number, Kai, but man, Rutgers is a lot bigger and will probably dominate the glass at home. Yeah, Rutgers at the rack, man. 10 and three against the spread, plus seven cover margin. It's real. They have a real home court advantage there. Uh, it is strength versus strength versus Weakness versus weakness on the other end. It's it's the third best offense in the Big Ten, Penn State, versus the third best defense. Jim mentioned it. Penn State should find looks from outside. Uh, Rutgers really is not good at guarding the perimeter this year. They haven't been good in allowing threes, and they haven't been good at, well, allowing threes to go in. But I do think they have an advantage guarding Pickett. They might be one of the very few teams in the country that can really defend him because they do have such big guards. Him posting up is not really going to be a thing against Rutgers tonight. Uh, the other end, of course, Rutgers' offense versus Penn State's poor defense. Kind of a wash down there. I think the line's a bit too high here. I, I do uh, – I, I don't like, excuse me, fading Rutgers at the rack at all. But six and a half feels a tad high for a team that can shoot like Penn State. It does feel a tad high. I, I think Penn State, though, is a, a sucker side, honestly. I really feel like Rutgers um, just dominates. Sucker like side, you talk, huh? Yeah, I do. It's just like – I know it does feel high, but I'm not looking to back Penn State here. Like, you talk about the size – physicality that Rutgers brings like that's the perfect kryptonite to shutting down Jalen Pickett. You got to be able to check him and not let him bully you on the block and they can kind of stay home everywhere else on defense. Um, yeah. Rutgers also off a few extra days, right? They played last Thursday. Um, Penn state played on Saturday. Couldn't matter. Steve Heichel extra few days to prep recover. I like Rutgers, but that price is no bargain. All right. We go to Iowa state, Kai Hilton magic. Will the magic be in the air when the purple kittens come to town 
And yet another spread where Matt looks at the Kansas State line and says, huh, really? I like Iowa State, unsurprisingly. And this guy comes a game removed, by the way, from me backing the K-State Purple Kitten. So I'm not all the way anti-K-State. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, initially, I think this game was over six. I thought that was way too high. It's come down to five and a half. That's that's probably more in line with where it should be. K-State, though, might be one of these teams that doesn't really succumb to Iowa State's style. What I mean by that is top teams, it seems they underestimate Iowa State. They take them for granted. K-State is underdog mentality, play with a chip on their shoulder. That's basically what Iowa State is. They're not going to be taking this team for granted. They're, they're going to be full effort, full steam ahead, drum tang, tang gang. But kind of like Rutgers, Jim, fading Iowa State at Hilton, not profitable. 7-3 and three against the spread, plus 9 cover margin for the clones at home. A win here for Kansas State does give, give them like a one-and-a-half game lead in conference play. That's huge. Iowa State would be tied for first if they win. Five-and-a-half is a lot of points. I, I lean towards K-State. Um, especially Jim, if Caleb Grill is out for Iowa State. Yeah, I think that's huge. Uh, they're, they're not a prolific shooting team outside of Grill and Kalsher. And if you take Grill off the floor, then they really are desperately reliant on turnovers to generate points going the other way. Perhaps some offensive rebounding will be a, a route to offense for Iowa State as well. I think this is too many, though. If Grill is, is out, five and a half, uh, basically two possessions there, Matthias. I K-State's feisty, man. I, I don't know if we fully captured how solid they are. Their start of the year wasn't mega impressive as they put together a bunch of pieces. Maybe there's a little bit of TCU in their rating in that sense where that you kind of going to have to throw out some of those early poor performances as a big favorite. Like the Cal game, UMKC, I'm kind of just disregarding those at this point because what we've seen from this team over the past month is a totally different version of that. They're hyper-competitive in the Big 12. They've got a almost all American duo atop the roster. I think this, this is too many points. I would definitely take K state if Caleb grill is out because I think they need his offense. Agree on the grill players don't matter unless they do. I do think he is a matterer. So I'll uh, agree with you there. I, I still like Iowa state um, gives me same vibes as the TCU spot that K state walked into a couple weeks ago, just a really good uh, spot for the home team who I like um, as a potential buy low. I know Iowa State's not like a buy low, but I, I think it's just their game at home. I think first half is um, where I would lean. I kind of think that's a big number for Iowa State to consistently stay away from K-State. Uh, maybe a, a first half punch in the mouth coming off the loss. So that's my lean in this game. Uh, last one before we get to chat mob round one. Jim, to Austin we go. Horns taking a ton of money. Been bet up to eight and a half right now, hosting Oklahoma State. The Pokes, uh, two impressive second halves to get two straight wins, so they keep it rolling on the road. I don't know if they win and keep it rolling in that sense, but I think they compete uh, given where the line is at right now. Kai, we know Texas hasn't been the same since Chris Beard ran away or or is gone. Um, they've covered, I think, three of their last 10 games. Not very good. Uh, they were able to cover last game, one on the road at West Virginia. Pretty impressive effort there. Uh, I thought that was a good spot for West Va, and it did not come to come to fruition. So maybe Texas is riding the ship a little bit, but this just feels like too many points for an Oklahoma State team that can really muck the game up, drag you down into the mud a little bit. I think Texas is going to struggle to score, particularly in the half court. That's where uh, Oklahoma State's going to dictate this game. So, yeah, at the number. I know we I, like we just went through a couple of Big 12 games here where uh, a league I'm supposed to respect home court, but I like the road teams. I just think the, the home court's a little too high in this instance. So, yeah, Cowboys for me. Texas is four and 10 against the spread of their last 14 games. Basically, when Beard left, yeah, they haven't been playing very well against the number, but 
they've been winning games. It's kind of a USC thing from Andy Enfield the last couple of years. They're plugging away. Um, they did cover against West Virginia. That, that was a pretty big win for them on the road. Still, the spread's high. Uh, the Texas Matt did win in Stillwater by 10. OK State led the game with six minutes to play. Of course, it was a competitive game. Competitive game. I know we were all on Oklahoma State there. Neither team, neither team could st- score. It pro- it's probably ugly again. Cisse, he doesn't really look like himself. Who knows how much he plays in this game, but still, I think Oklahoma State grinds us into the mud again. It's my best bet. Oklahoma State plus eight and a half. I think that number's huge. Um, way, way, way too high. So, cowpokes, eight and a half against Texas. Love it. Uh, chat mob, round one. Jim, our czar, lead us. Right back to you, Matt. The air troops are invading San Jose. They're getting three and a half points. What do you think? Hard stay away, man. Like both teams are a lot better than I expected. And I just don't bet this game. I think the line's pretty sharp. Uh, Will asked, asked about the total in Ball State Buffalo. I definitely like the over. Buffalo's defense is really struggling of late. Uh, Kai, do you have a take on the side there? I, I sort of lean towards Buffalo. I thought it was a little bit high. They've been competitive despite their defensive foibles. I lean towards Buffalo, but I will admit Ball State's been very, very good this year. So I was not in a hurry to fade them. Stay away. Uh, Matthew, from our good pal, Mike Dean, Florida State, four-point home dog against Miami, Florida. Knowles definitely playing better of late, but I saw this at three and a half, so it's down to ticked three. up. Oh, down to three now. Wow, yeah. okay. Mike Dean, yeah. it's sharp with the four-point line. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question from Mike. Um, three is a little too cheap. Like, I'm all in on this Florida State resurgence, but I think the market and the odds makers, like, jump the gun and try to get ahead of it. Ken Palm has this game seven, I think. Miami's still good. It's not like a huge travel. I I want to bet Florida State. It's just a little too cheap for me to, to, to take it at three. Yeah, buy that. Uh, we're holstering Indiana State at Drake. Matt already hinted that that game includes his best bet in the chat, but we're going to make him wait, Wink. not give it away quite yet. Uh, Kai, you, you can collab with me on Eastern Michigan at Toledo. We agree that Toledo, Toledo first half over. Right, yeah. Uh, what's the total here in this game? Like 170. Oh, it's come down. Wow, 165 and a half. Wow, it came down a, a ton. I guess I get it. I mean, that that total is ridiculous uh, to to basically play to that number. It's scoring every possession. I think Toledo kills them. I think it's a 30 point game. I think it's like 100 to 70. Yeah, I like first half most, then over, then Toledo full game, but kind of all of those. Eastern Michigan is just going to fold defensively against that team. They're just too competent. Yeah. Yeah. Toledo's uh, scoring 100 stop. in that game. Can't. Toledo's scoring 100 in that game. That's like a guarantee. Be surprised. Markets if they bet don't. Toledo unders like over and over and over and been burned most of the time. They got it right last game with the 170 total against Buffalo. But I think generally that's just a dangerous game to play going against Toledo overs. Uh, all right. Not too many questions here, actually, Matthew. So I'm going to kick it right back to you. Actually, from Cody, Matt, you get this one. DePaul at Georgetown, the battle for Big East futility. This is it for the Hoyas. Like, y- you need this one, or it could be 0 40 back to back. It's going to be 0 Yeah, it's either this one or you're going 0 40 because you're not winning a Big East game the rest oh, of the year. Man. If you're a Georgetown player, is that in your head? Like, are you like, guys, this is our chance? Like, are they going to get up this game? Or is it, I don't know, DePaul, like the least exciting Big East team coming to town and you're going to have five people there and it's just another sleepwalky edge? And I feel like, this is a game where Georgetown kind of rolls over and DePaul just smacks them. You know what I mean? Like it's almost too dead of a spot for Georgetown to rise. Brandon Murray's still TBD too. Yeah. Yep, missed I, I last game it, after coming. Yep. I think it really gets to Georgetown in like 10 minutes left in the second half. They're like, all right, we need to finally win this game. Like they play kind of well when they're free and open. 
And then as the game gets closer and closer towards the end, they get bowled over, stop playing defense completely. Uh, all right, Kai, I did miss this one as well. Uh, there's a couple questions I, I hadn't seen until I almost sent it back to Matthew. Uh, but LaSalle Davidson, Ryan ends asking about the under in that one. Do you have an opinion? No, not really <laughs> in the under there. Uh, side, I lean towards LaSalle. Okay. I actually almost bet the over. I think Davidson's going to start making threes at some point. They're just like too good not to, but maybe that's a fallacy and I shouldn't bet based on that. So uh, yeah, I haven't. LaSalle's haven't been disappointing. Back. Just a general thought as I've like slowly accumulated results of their games. Just really bummer. Tough year for Fran. All right. And then Matt, Fresno State, Boise State, uh, Gray's asking about is Fresno going to score over 57 and a half? So a team total opinion. Uh, generally, Boise State's been over lately. Kai, as you pointed out privately in our chat, uh, like seven or eight straight Seven games. straight overs for Boise. Yeah, how about that? And I think this is a little too high, Matt. Uh, Boise's just been a rocket ship lately, but 12 points against a team that's going to make it kind of mucky. I would lean towards Fresno. Yeah, Fresno just beat UNLV by 13 at home. So, like, is that a – is this now, like, a letdown spot, or is that, like, a, ooh, a upward momentum from Fresno? I don't know. I kind of make it – throw those two things out. I still think it's too high. I'm with you. Yeah, Isaiah Hill may or may not be back, which is important for their offense. So uh, I would keep an eye on him. Uh, key key creative guard. Uh, all right, Matt, I'll continue collecting questions. Back to you for the second half of the outline. We're going back to Big 12 country. Kai, you are receiving this one. Uh, TCU, the Horn Frogs, hosting Porter Moser and the Sooners. Line open six. Uh, it's been bet down to five. So some Boomer Sooner money has come in, and I agree with it. Um Kind of a theme in general, like I feel like I've been leaning toward a lot of Big 12 road teams this year. Uh, I think we've talked about this, just like they're all so competitive, like any spread five or greater, especially you're in a pretty good spot, feels too high. It's kind of a simple handicap here, but that's my lean toward OU. Yeah, TCU rocks, but they're going to be better priced going forward now. With the KU win, they jumped 12 spots in in Kempom, they're number 18 now. Their market is basically what, what they are right now, in my opinion. And they also have injury questions, right? Eddie Lamkin hurt his ankle pretty bad last game. I would be surprised if he plays. He He's in the air. His status is in the air right now. PV's back. He's not nearly as important as Lamkin. Oklahoma's no pushover either. They nearly just beat Baylor. They competed at Fog Allen, Texas, Iowa They're State. They're in every game. They're in every game. You mentioned yep. the five-point line, Matt. Four of Oklahoma's five Big 12 losses are by four points or less. All right. They're in every game. All they do is play close games. So with, with no Lamkin or a hobbled Lamkin, I actually lean pretty heavily to Oklahoma here, Jim. I think Tanner Groves takes advantage of Xavier Cork. Uh, he Give him credit. He's a legit big man, Tanner Groves, and take him to the perimeter. And the OU is so scrappy, so well coached. Um, as long as TCU doesn't get ridiculously hot from three, I think Oklahoma sticks around. Yeah, and TCU getting hot from three is very rare. They were able to do so very. for the first, like, 10 minutes against Kansas, and then I'm not sure they made a three in the second half, but they still kicked their butt because they kept getting transition opportunities. And – Lo and behold, Matthew, a Jamie Dixon team leads the country in in transition scoring. Like, can we even process that? It's a little like Sean Miller, where he's completely altered his approach and allowed his team. It's the fastest he's played, fastest ever. Like he had fast teams with Robinson and uh, and Fisher, but this is definitely his fastest. Oh yeah, the possession like stuff. Like it's not even close. This is by far his fastest team. They talked about it last game. Like he realized how good. Ball and Miles were in transition, and he basically told everybody else, "You have to keep up with them." And it's it's paid off yeah. in in spades. I think they didn't have that identity totally figured out to start the year, which is again part of why they had their their results were poor. Uh, but without Lampkin, I think he's 
crucial to their interior effort, their rebounding, their offensive glass attack. I would also lean towards Oklahoma here. Just feels a tad high. I like a lot of these teams less as big favorites, as Matt said. Uh, so not, not a ton of original points based on what these guys already said, but agree with them. No, props to Jamie Dixon. Like, just seems like such an obvious maneuver that most coaches don't make who are in the same boat of, I, we have lots of athletes and we can't shoot. So why would you try and, you know, lock yourself in a half court cage? Like, let them get out and gallop in the open court, which is what they're doing. So good coach, uh, good adjustment. Kai, we are headed to, oh, not so far away, going to Nashville uh, for a, little, a fun little SEC tilt here. Vandy hosting Kentucky. Holy money coming in on Kentucky here. Line open just around three, uh, bet up to six, basically doubled. Vandy's been playing good, and I know Liam Roberts has been out the last two games, so I don't know what to make of those two. Robbins, sorry, not Roberts. Um, The Kentucky, obviously, people are buying into the resurgence. Six is a big number. I'm not betting that. It's big. I liked it at three, three and a half. Unfortunately, it it got just creamed. Uh, No Robbins is bad news for Vanderbilt against Kentucky. He's their leading scorer, leading rebounder, and shot blocker, right? How does Oscar not go for 30 and 20 tonight? I don't know. It's already the best SEC offensive rebounding team against the 10th best defensive rebounding team in the SEC. Now you take away the leading rebounder. It's not good. They did compete without Robbins against Alabama for a bit, and they beat Georgia on the road for sure. But I think Kentucky with Sheboy is a different beast. Um, And they've won three straight. They've covered three straight. They're clearly firing better right now, Jim. Wheeler in a lesser role is working for them. Calipari is listening to the Twitter folks out there. (laughs) Their defense has been a little porous, but without Robbins, I just think it takes away a huge piece of Vanderbilt's offense. Um, Again, I I liked it three, three and a half, six. I can't really recommend it for Kentucky. Yeah, same. I'd actually start to lean a little towards Vandy there, even without Robbins. That's a lot to play on the road. And people keep saying it like Jerry Stackhouse is actually very competent as a coach with the scheme stuff he draws up, the way he gets guys in good positions offensively. Uh, I actually love the under here, though. It's, It's my best bet. If you look at how slow Kentucky is playing in in league play, it's kind of jarring, like the slowest possession length in the entire conference. Um, Vanderbilt, not an ultra fast team, especially when they're a dog. I think they typically like to try to get the game slowed down more in the half court. Even without Robbins, I buy that they'll continue with that. And Kentucky's actually been better defensively. The last three, three straight opponents at one point per possession or lower. Uh, and they talked about in the broadcast how Calipari feels like Reeves and Livingston have taken a leap on the wing defensively, giving them a lot more. And you add that to the athleticism that's everywhere else on the roster, maybe a little less Wheeler, who's small and, and not an outstanding defender. I kind of buy a little bit of a defensive renaissance here for Kentucky, Matt. So between that and the tempo, under 144 and a half is where I'm seeing it currently at Bet Rivers. That is my best bet for today. Love it. Uh, I hate totals. That's all I have to say, but I wish you luck. And uh, the angle seems sound next game. Syracuse hosting UNC Jim, right back to you. Q's quietly playing better. It's kind of my initial uh, preemptive for this one. I don't know if they are worth the small price that they're um, not laying giving tonight. I, I kind of think Q's is a bargain at four and a half. It opened minus three Q's minus four and a half total also bet up to one fifty one. So it sounds like market sees scoring and sees UNC, um, as an undervalued player. Yeah, I lean towards Carolina too. I made it like five and a half. So supportive of where the movement's going. Uh, I, whenever Roy was in charge, they typically kind of owned the Syracuse zone, which didn't make a ton of sense because you're like, where's the shooting? But they had really good passers in that free throw line area. Hicks was always, uh, Isaiah Hicks was a really solid one in there. Justin Johnson. Um, and they rebound like crazy against that zone. 
it's not the same team under Hubert Kai. They're not quite as ballistic on the offensive glass, but Baycott will get uh, more than his fair share of second chances. It's just how well will Syracuse shoot? That's kind of a tough team to figure yep. out. Is Gerard going to be hot, hot, hot from the perimeter or not? So I, I like UNC, but I'm not betting them. I'm not betting the total either. I think it's a, a tough one to read. Yeah, I, I agree with Matt. Syracuse is a team on the rise here. And I wrote down, I looked back at my notes in the preseason. I wrote down late bloomers, Syracuse this year. And there it is. Ah, they're, they're doing it, Matthew. Six and three in the ACC. They've covered four or less. Five, UNC also six and three. And a quality win on the road would go a long way for them, for their tournament resume. Syracuse is going to bait Davis and Love into taking some truly awful shots. And that could be the way they hang around because Davis and Love love to shoot, especially if you if you dare them to. Last season, UNC needed overtime to win the game at home. Um, Davis and Love, four for 12 from three, five for 11 from three, shot pretty well. This year, they're not shooting that well. I, I, I think Syracuse can force misses here, bait them into taking those bad shots. And on the other end, Syracuse, with Gerard and Mintz, they can they can score, man. They can hang around in this game. I think I think four and a half is about right. Um, but part of me likes Syracuse here, leaning that way. Seems like a big game. Syracuse wins, right? Like to kind of keep their bubble trajectory, you know, solidly on the rails. It feels like a game they just win. I don't know why, but yeah, I, to the point, people in the chat, I, I don't trust Syracuse at all. Certainly not any rush to go pet them. Uh, last game on the outline, and oh, lo and behold, it is the Mizzou Tigers alumni members on this program. Jim, going to you, short spread. Um, Ole Miss has been rough, rough, but obviously road in the SEC is to be respected. Uh, did those weird Kermit wrinkles um, throw a wrench in Mizzou's offense, or does the Tigers get it done on the road? Well, there's big injury questions on both sides that I think probably are, are need Best to be players? addressed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Kobe Brown traveled with Mizzou, so he's there. Don't know for sure how – even if he plays what his percentage will be, how healthy he is. And then Morrell on the other side, I know Mizzou's defense isn't great, but they've done a great job of changing defenses, almost what Kermit's known for, for Ole Miss. And Ole Miss's offense is bad, especially you take out their, their I mean, he's streaky Morrell, but he's also their best shooter. They kind of need him to open the floor up a little bit. You have to at least respect him when he's on the perimeter, can't help off him. So I would lean towards Mizzou, Kai, because I, I kind of expect Kobe to play, Morrell to not, but that is based on limited, almost no information, just pure conjecture on my part. Uh, just Both teams could struggle to score if it's kept into a half-court game, yep. and they've both kind of trended towards that a little bit lately. Yeah, no point in trying to guess injuries here. I think you have to know the status of both players before betting this game. Um, you need this game if you're Mizzou. At-large resume right now is solid, but a road win here is enormous. Plus, have to take advantage of every winnable game in the SEC going forward. There's not a whole lot out there. and So to beat Ole Miss is kind of key, I would say. Ole Miss is 1-6 and six in the SEC. They're not playing very well. The talent just isn't there. And the offense, Jim mentioned, it's brutal. The great news for Mizzou, Matt, is their offense can't really hurt them. Mizzou's defense is terrible this season, and I don't think Ole Miss can really exploit them, especially zone. Um, I think Tigers are going to force turnovers. I think they can stop Ole Miss. On the other end, they also have to start making shots. They are 18 for 97 the last four games from three. 18 for 97, Mizzou. 18.6% from three. That's nuts. That has to come back uh, to, I don't know, 25%, 30%. So that has me leaning towards the Tigers. Again, though, can't bet them without Kobe Brown. He is that important to this team. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to add other than if you have any injury news out there, insiders, deeply embedded moles, let us know. But that's uh, let's get to chat mob round two, Jimbo. All righty. We will start with Aaron Marshall's question about Bowling Green and Central Michigan. The total, which I believe is 152.5, uh, 147.5. Okay, I misremembered. Uh, there's there's questions on the Central Michigan side with Zarzuela and Booby Miller. Seems like he's just never returning. Who knows? Can't get great insight on that. Uh, Central Michigan does struggle to score without them and will probably be wanting to slow the game down. But Bowling Green's defense is like all-time terrible at times right now. They gave up 65.5 to Western Michigan. Uh, that will never be not seared in my brain. Uh, so I would probably lean towards the over there, even with the Central Michigan guard questions. All right, next up, Kai, we'll go to you here for another battle in the MAC. Ohio is hosting Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. Looking at a spread right now of minus nine and a half at Bet Rivers. What do you yeah. think? Uh, it's It's been bet towards Ohio. I agree with the move. I liked him at a lower price at nine and a half. Can't really recommend it. Western Michigan's been not a pushover, we'll say, in MAC play. And Ohio really has been a bit down this year, to be honest. So nine and a half seems like a lot of points. I would. Stay away or maybe lean the dog. All right, Matt. University of Illinois, Chicago, our Missouri Valley team. They're getting 13 points at Missouri State, a team that has really confused me this year. Their defense has basically locked down and gotten them victories. But is 13 too many to lay with those Bears? Yeah, I think UIC can be feisty when they're engaged. It seems like a good spot to back them here, coming off three straight uh but they're off three straight losses, correct? And I'm sorry, they're off six straight losses. They one, one. Yeah, so they're literally, not, yeah, one in nine in the league. My goodness. I still think they're better than that. I think this is too high. Missouri State's not a good favorite. You're right, Jim. They win with defense. Dana Ford talks about this. This is like how their whole team's been built this year. Don't think it plays well as a favorite here. Yeah, I would also lean towards the under. Just look how slow Missouri State's games have been lately. Like 69 possessions in overtime and 61, 67 possessions in overtime and 54 against Southern Illinois. My God, that is a crawl. Uh, All right, Kai, to you, Wyoming at UNLV. The running Rebs are a five-point favorite at home against the hodgepodge of Wyoming injuries, although they are close to fully healthy. Still no EK, but they're kind of getting there. So does that make them uh, have some value here? Well, I thought so at seven and a half. That's what I took, Jim. I, I got Wyoming at that price. It's down to five. Uh, good job, Kai. If only that was an automatic win. It's not. Uh, I, I do like Wyoming here uh, with with them getting healthier with Maldonado. However, UNLV is pretty much due for a good effort here. The uh, The Fresno game was so disappointing. I cannot believe they lost that game by uh, in the fashion they did. They're sitting at like one and six, one and seven in the Mountain West, like basically dead, or excuse me, dead last right now, the UNLV Rebels. That's That's shocking to me. Yeah, did not did not really see that coming, especially because what one of their wins is at New Mexico. Like, make sense of that. Yeah, that's their only win. Their only, only league win, win is at New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like the under there. Uh, Parquet is back, big time perimeter defender for UNLV. Um, not an awesome offensive player, but does really help their perimeter defense. So I would tend to lean towards mm-hmm. under. Uh, okay, Matthew, to you, Kent State, thirteen point favorite at Northern Illinois. NIU still without Keyshawn Williams after he tore his ACL. Kent State kind of whooped last game. Seems like they got angered pregame and, and took it out on their opponent. Does that happen again today? Uh, yeah, I kind of think so, but man, these numbers are big. Like NIU's had efforts that were competent. They have at least 
some athletes, and I know without Williams, they're kind of gutted offensively, but like they're scrappy enough. I think feisty enough. I, I would not feel confident laying the points with Kent State. That's all. So it's a big number. All right, Kai, then to you, Notre Dame at NC State. That's kind of a tough one for me to figure. Terquavian Smith game time decision after that big blow to the head left on a stretcher against North Carolina, but then was apparently at bars that night. So good for him. It seems like he was <laughs> wow. uh, back to full health or, or near it. Notre Dame, pretty terrible. Didn't have a great effort off the Mike Bray retirement announcement. What do you think of the spread? Uh, yeah, if Terquavian Smith is in, I like NC State. Notre Dame is, I think, 3-16 and 16 against the spread this year. They're the worst ATS team in the country, pretty much. Fading them has been profitable. Turk did practice yesterday. That seems like a pretty good indication he's going to go, but he's still labeled as a game time decision. I don't think you can bet NC State without knowing his status yet. Yeah, fair. Uh, all right. I believe that is it from the chat. Just looking. Don't see anything here. Uh, someone in the chat just said Green Bay just parted ways with Will Ryan. Is that factually correct? Whoa. Yes. Jeff Goodman reported. Wow. What a absolutely bonehead hire. What's the point of the timing? <laughs> What's the point? Of it? Yeah, weird time to do uh, it. Really. Like, get rid of Link, Link Darner's well, available, Kai. Think he's yes. available. They would in the wake of in the in the wake of Link Darner's firing. I think we should only expect an odd midseason firing as the subsequent move. Bring back Darner. Bring back our Green RP40. Bay administration seems a little. I know messed. it doesn't seem good. Yeah, doesn't yeah, seem not good. Stable. Uh, all right, let's get to best bets, guys. I'll reiterate mine. I gave away uh, Kentucky Vanderbilt under one forty four and a half. I think Kentucky's playing a lot slower and better defensively of late. Vandy's content to play a little bit slow. So uh, I like that one. Matt, what's yours? Taking Indiana State, um, sort of following this theme of teams with like four straight conference losses, but don't look all that terrible. Think, uh, you know, Virginia Tech to some extent last night. I think West Virginia um, last weekend. Indiana State on the road at Drake, obviously the class of that conference, but Indiana State looked like the best team in this league for basically most of the non-con. Hit a little bit of a rough patch, tough schedule. I think they get back tonight. Um, six and a half on the road. I think it's too many. I think they keep this competitive. One, two possessions. Let's go six. There you go. And my best bet was Oklahoma State plus eight and a half. I think it's too many. Ugly game. Go Pokes. That a boy. All right. Take us away, Matt. That's all we got. Good luck tonight on all your wagers. Come back and join us tomorrow, 12 Central, 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific. Um, until then, go six and other best bets. And your